This episode of I Save That Podcast is made possible by the AVA Academy, debuting in early 2019 from the Association for Vascular Access. AVA Academy is where you'll find the best-in-class, cutting-edge vascular access education from pick insertion to our ultrasound-guided peripheral IV course. For more information, subscribe to the I Save That Podcast, follow AVA on any social media platform, and become an AVA member today. From the Association for Vascular Access, this is the I Save That Podcast. Come with me now. Come with me now. Season 1, Episode 10 of the I Save That Podcast. We made it to 10! Double digits. Double digits. Uh, it's Ramsey Nasrallah. I'm in San Diego with Judy Thompson. Hey. Eric Sager is in Columbus, Ohio. In the sunny Hi. weather of Columbus, Ohio. Oh, gorgeous. Seen the sun since Ohio State beat Michigan. We got that on the podcast. It's now been said. It's now been recorded. Boom. Beautiful thing. Yeah, Sorry, Vinny. Uh, 40 and rainy the last few days, but hey, it's all right. It is what it, it is. It rained in San Diego. It did rain last week or this week in San Diego. But we're back to sunshine. At 3 a.m. We have uh, <laughs> a lot to get to. This is a great episode. Um, I sat down with Kelly Anzizichny and. Uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania, to talk about the impact Ava had on her on her career as a clinician. Um, it's actually really, let's back this up. I was at Ava this year in Columbus, and one of the people working the foundation booth grabbed me and gave me her business card and said, this, this lady was really impressive. She came in a donation to the foundation. She wants to talk to you about how she can do more for Ava because of the impact that Ava has had on her career. That's awesome. And that was a story I needed to hear. And it's a story yeah, that you all sure. hear. Um, as we, I met her in uh, Pennsylvania a little while ago and, and walked through how she took a job as a pediatric nurse manager and upon accepting it was told, aha, you also get the, the vascular access team. And that was her introduction to vascular access. And she'll talk about uh, not just how that impacted her personally and, and her career, but how ultimately it, it really helped advance her career, uh, being at the forefront, at the gate, what we call the gateway to, to all healthcare delivery. It starts with, with vascular access. That so, was great. Yeah. Wait to hear about it. Yeah, it's coming up next. And Eric, you've got this, a section with another behind the manuscript uh, session coming up. I do. I uh, had a nice conversation with Connie Trigenti. She has a, a case study on a mid thigh femoral access uh, coming up in the next, well, the final issue of JAVA for 2018, the winter issue. So we spoke a little bit about, about that case specifically and, and how that's, you know, the mid thigh work has really, as I understand it, Judy, you correct me if. I'm wrong, really sort of blown up uh, in recent time. I know Matt Ostroff was on before he mentioned a while back and earlier in the season, he was speaking with Ramsey about uh, presenting on his mid-thigh work. And we have also published a case study of his in Java. So I, I think that's kind of a topic that's really hot right now. Yeah, I agree, Eric. Um, in fact, I've talked to Matt quite a few times. I'm going to go out to New Jersey and film at his hospital. We're going to go over mid-thigh work and create a course for it for Ava, for our Ava Academy. So there's a lot of hubbub about mid-thigh work. So proud of Matt, proud of clinicians that are, are being the early adopters. So this is going to be exciting. I can't wait to read what Connie read. There, she's ahead of it. Mid-thighs in the forefront, and we're trying to get up ahead of it, too. I like the image. You slid Ava Academy in there. I did. I snuck it in. Future episode will be talking in depth about Ava Academy, because that's a thing. Branding. Uh, Branding. Hashtag branding. Um, <laughs> finally, we, we have a section today on, on the episode on, on network excellence. Ava is virtual and national and, and global, uh, but it is also local. And um, last year in the spring, I was with Vineet Chopra, whose university lost to Ohio State in football last week. Did you just say that? I did. I wanted to make That's sure everyone heard that. Uh, Not he, only did they lose, they gave up 62 points. 62 points. I can't believe it. You know, we like Vinny. We do like Vinny. What are you doing? Well, this is part of This comes with the territory. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, the, come on and defend himself. He can. He'll be, he'll be, on, the, he'll be on the podcast soon. I was with him in, in Perth, and he mentioned to me that there was a Michigan uh, journal club for vascular access that this guy, Matt Gibson, had, had started. And um, Matt, he really thought it should be a network. And in lieu of waiting to get back to the States, Perth is 12, uh, 12 hours ahead of Eastern time. So I think we were together at like 9 p.m. And I called Matt in front of Vinny at 9 a.m. 
greenlighted the Michigan Vascular Access Network, which, by the way, is called MyVan, even though it should be called MotorVan, but it's, right. it's MyVan. Uh, he and Jeff Hanks, in one year's time, have put together uh, really what a network should look like for for AVA anywhere you go. I mean, it's got enthusiasm, leadership, organization, industry involvement. I just went to their, uh, their big annual symposium. It was just incredible, and I cannot believe it's only a year old. So I spent some time with uh, Jeff and Matt talking about best practices for networks and how they were able to turn my best, the vascular access society journal club that Benita told me about in Perth, into my band, uh, a real you know, shooting star of a network for, for us uh, on the eastern side of the if U.S. only it was motor only it was motor Nonetheless, everything I saw from that meeting looked like it was fantastic, and obviously we did some stuff with social media on it. So uh, after the break, though, we're going to have Ramsey's conversation with Kelly Ann Zizichny, and uh, so please stay tuned. This episode of I Save That Podcast is made possible by the AVA Academy, debuting early in 2019 from the Association for Vascular Access. AVA Academy is where you'll find the best-in-class, cutting-edge vascular access education, from pick insertion to our ultrasound-guided peripheral IV course. As always, you'll still be able to pick up CE credits through JAVA articles each quarter and by attending virtual sessions from scientific meetings. AVA Academy takes vascular access education to the next level. We are developing insertion, care, and maintenance courses for the full spectrum of vascular access devices and procedures. AVA Academy is open to the public, and AVA members will receive significant discounts on all education. For more information, subscribe to I Save That Podcast, follow AVA on any social media platform, and become an AVA member today. We are in New Hope, Pennsylvania, at Skyroast Coffee on Main Street. There is uh, there's some ambient noise in the background, so if you hear the the sultry tones of, of jazz music and people having coffee conversations, that, that's not fake. It's very real. I am joined today by Kellyanne Zizichny, who is a uh, nurse at Mainline Health and was brought to my attention at conference this year uh, as I was uh, being pulled in several different directions. I had uh, one of the members of our foundation board of directors pull me aside and said, told me that you have to meet this lady. And I did, and and he was absolutely right. And, you know, Ava is something that advances its cause through storytelling. And I thought that uh, the podcast audience would would benefit from hearing Kellyanne's uh, story of how not she went out and found vascular access, but how vascular access found her. So, uh, Kellyanne, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really uh, feel privileged to have this opportunity to speak to you today, just because Ava has become um, so important in my professional career. And that's really the the crux of the story. Like, how, you know, you didn't go out and find Ava. Ava sort of found you. Can, can you talk a little bit about how your career pulled you into being almost a, a vascular access specialist with, without you going out and seeking it out? So uh, in 2008, I had come to Mainline Health and had interviewed for a pediatric manager's position. Being uh, that is my, I, I will always say that I've, I'm a peds nurse by heart. Um, I have worked at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and then had the privilege of working at um, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And so when we moved back up north, I had gone back to CHOP for a a short amount of time, but then uh, had called a colleague and she had told me about that they had this PEDS manager position. So I interviewed for it, and after several months and really kind of making the formal decision to make the move, I took the position, and then once I got in it, they said, oh, by the way, (laughs) the previous manager was not only the feeds manager, but she also had the IV team. Oh, nice. Congrats. (laughs) (laughs) But for me personally, um, even though I wasn't a vascular access nurse, I had a full appreciation for the specialty being a peds nurse. Right. You know, I had great people like Amory Fry, who's very involved in Ava in the pediatric subgroup, who was an IV nurse at CHOP, that I spent many hours with her in the treatment room, 
watching her put in pick lines and IVs um, and just really being very appreciative of their role and their support in care of patients. And then when I went to Atlanta, you have people like Judy Burns, who actually taught me how to put an IV in because at the time, CHOA had gotten rid of their IV team and then shortly decided that that really was not a good idea in pediatrics. And so they brought it back. So I, you know, I always, when I see her at the conference every year, I'm like, there's Judy. She taught me how to put in IVs. <laughs> uh, and, and then I managed a sedation nursing service at CHOA. So, you know, nurses that had to be skilled in putting in IVs. So for me, I was like, okay, I really appreciate this. I can do this. What I learned was is that... Um, then what happened was is that then they started getting me fully engaged where they said, well, when Mary was here, we actually had a system committee and we need a leader to be the executive sponsor. Could you be our executive You're sponsor? You're finding out more and more about your new job. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> uh, can, you, can, you, can you be our executive sponsor so we can have meetings again? And I was like, okay, I appreciate that, that they want to get together as a system the four different teams to kind of talk about best practice. What um, what I learned very quickly was is that uh, even in our own organization, there was such a different philosophies of practice. It wasn't consistent. It, uh, it wasn't really consistent with what I was reading because the type of manager or leader that I am, if I'm going to manage a group, I have to learn about your work. So that kind of scared them a little bit. I remember saying to them, okay, I'm putting on scrubs, and I'm going to follow you around for the day. Great. And and then I was like, okay, well, this is a different catheter. Let me try it and put an IV in, and I got it in. And I remember uh, the nurse that I was following around that was brave enough to take me. (laughs) She said, you are the first nurse manager I have ever had that actually knows how to stick a patient. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's great. But um, my praise. it was. And what I've learned as a nurse leader is that if I'm going to build credibility with the staff, I need to be able to do the job. I need to be knee deep in it with them so that I can really understand what they're struggling with like what is the challenges of them being able to give the great care that they want to give to patients i know that's not every nurse manager's philosophy but for me it's really has worked um and i feel that i the success that we've had at mainline health and the reason why we have such great outcomes is that um I really try to work alongside the staff so that I can really fully appreciate of what I can do as a nurse leader to support them in their role so that they can better take care of their patients in the best capacity. Managing uh, vascular access specialists uh, is helpful if you are a vascular access specialist yourself. Right. Um, the, and that's, this is something that I think is pervasive across industry. I, I used to sell products. I've had managers who've never sold before. It's difficult to accept coaching from someone who's never been in the trenches. Um, same thing with uh, if, if you're an artist reporting into someone who has no appreciation for art, um, you want to understand what, what, what the guild is up to. So you're a pediatric nurse manager. You've, been in, you've inherited the IV team. <laughs> you're now learning about how to stick patients and, and the, the complexities that go into vascular access. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, that journey and how you eventually, you know, vascular access became an important part of what you did on a daily basis. So um, shortly, I guess, within the next year, uh, I believe that the staff were all going to an AVA conference. I, it was in uh, National Harbor. Yeah. was a, one of the first ones I had gone to. And so they said, do you want to come with us? Hmm. So here I was. We drove down, there was a whole group of us, and we went for the conference. And it was just an amazing experience for me. It was the beginning of me then saying, I need to come to these every year. 
because I got to meet great people like Nancy Moreau and um, Jack Ladon and uh, my friend at Avatar, Claire, where you have the opportunity to interact and network with some of the the founding leaders of this um, specialty um, and get your questions answered or kind of just brainstorm about challenges that you're having. And every time I go, I always come back with a, a renewed sense of enthusiasm. And actually, once again, I do scare the staff because I, I come in, I'm like, you'll never guess. I got a great new idea of what we're going to do next. And they're like running for the door. Oh, oh no, she's she's fired up again. Here we go. She went to Ava again. I went to Ava again. <laughs> but, I mean, it really has been such a tremendous asset because, like, Nancy Moreau's um, Pick Excellence. That is our foundation for every nurse at Mainline Health has to do the online training for pick insertion and ultrasound utilization and we use that as our foundation education for me that was so helpful because this isn't my area of expertise so I would have had to either spend a lot of extra time trying to research various educational tools or platforms and then trying to get that um, approved in our organization and what happened was is we had a, a, a company actually sponsor it for us for a year for free, the membership. Mm-hmm. And then from that, we were able to see that there was a lot of great CEUs. And um, it just helped me provide consistent education that I know, um, having worked with Nancy and spoke to her on a regular basis, that you know this is somebody that I think she has been pivotal in providing vascular access education and I know it's credible and I know she's always updating it so it's one less extra thing that I have to work on and so I've been able to use that um, you know the whole target zero like I I have made that my mission like 2008 or 9 we started talking about target zero and that you know we can't make excuses anymore about central line infections and that they just happen, that we really have to think about our own professional accountability and what we're doing and what our responsibility is to our patients. They shouldn't be sick and then come into the hospital and get another complication because of us. Using Ava and the various lectures that you've had Um, You know, we have really elevated our practice, and in 10 years, we've reduced our CLABSEs by 86%. We have had two of our hospitals that have gone a year and a half to two years at zero. You know, every day we're we're trying to say what can we do and how can we do it better um, to protect our patients. And I remember early on... You know, just being exposed to different, having the different partners at your conferences. So to me, I love that. That's like going to a a large flea market and just having everybody at my fingertips where I don't have to sit there and make phone calls and emails and try to bring various different companies in because I want to look at a new product Um, you have them all there at the conference. So actually, I usually get the group together. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to look at this year? (laughs) Okay, you go to this booth and you go to this booth. And then we come back to our system committee and we, we make decisions about, okay, well, these are the products. This is what we're having difficulty with. These are the products that we're interested in looking at. And then, you know, we have the information, we have discussions, then we bring a couple in. Um, And so that's really been very um, helpful for me because, you know, it's just challenging to get through the day-to-day. And I think I've been successful in changing a lot of our practice with the support and the expertise of our vascular access teams because 
I support them going to conferences and, yeah. and you know, we're all members of Avis, so we're reading the journal. Um, the back, the, the new thing is we're talking about uh, the mid thigh. Oh, mid thigh. Pick five, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's next on our right. agenda. Um, that's next on our agenda too. From a, <laughs> by the way, from an educational standpoint, it's something Judy Thompson, our director of clinical education, is pursuing to capture procedure videos specifically oh, for mid thigh. Let's take that further. Ava, Ava has, you know, I've, I came on a year and a half ago, and I've been trying to preserve just how special the, the annual conference is, but also make Ava a 12-month organization. Um, you live in, we are right now in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, there are a couple of, of Ava networks near here. Uh, what has your experience been like on the local level with, with Ava in Pennsylvania and on the, you know, the New Jersey border here? So um, I've been involved for probably the last year or so, and that was, again, the staff saying, hey, we have local chapters now. Can you come to the meetings? Uh, and actually, to be honest with you, it has been very positive because, the, I mean, they had Jack Ladon show up for one of theirs. Like, they had you at one of, the, right. at one of them. M- Mauro Pitteruti. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the, the Pope's doctor was there. <laughs> so I think that this is actually... Um, I, I am 100% in support of this, especially because a lot of organizations are not paying for conferences for their nursing staff. So you have a lot of people that make sacrifices because they're committed to the specialty to go to these conferences. And they might not be able to go every year, mm-hmm. but they save so that they can go every other year. Right. Um, and so... I think that it is important for us to really have that grassroots regional type of um, programming and chapters because it will only allow more people the opportunity to have at least a small experience of what you would get at the national level when we have our conferences every year. So Kellyanne, Picture someone at work, and they, they want to go to Ava. They can't get the time off or the support. Uh, how effective do you think the networks would be on a local level to have that person bring people from work, to, you know, bring three or four colleagues to see what a local Ava network meeting looks like? How does that? Do you think that's an effective way to get people involved in vascular access? I do because I think you see the people that are organizing the regional AVA chapters are people that have attended conferences that are very experienced that are you know share the passion and it just it just radiates off of them and actually even at our local chapter they I think I don't know if they took the dues or they got a sponsor but they actually every year they kind of raffle off a registration for Ava so that somebody might have the opportunity to go to the to the yeah. conference. Our uh, Ava industry partners generally will, will pay for those, give them to the networks, and then that's their way to get you know, more people going to Ava. And from, uh, I mean, I came from industry. I'll, I'll tell you this, my best customers were Ava members because they get it. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to talk about just how important evidence-based Interventions to reduce vascular access complications or make the procedures easier is when someone understands the procedure and, and the gravity of what's at stake with something that's, you know, for all intents and purposes, the gateway to healthcare delivery. And I think, too, is that these regional chapters, they bring people together that are from other hospitals. So, you know, we have a very robust team, and uh, we I do support them to to go to Ava so they have learned uh, so much from being involved with what best practices and then they're able to have those discussions with people in our own region Mm -hmm. and kind of just translate that information so even if they can't personally attend I feel like we're, we're able to reach more people because you have people that do attend the conferences that can then kind of maybe ignite the interest of other people to either attend or even just help support them in their own journey of becoming better practitioners. Right. It starts at home. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, you got to go to National Harbor and 
kind of caught it there, but if you're going every quarter and connecting with hospitals that you're familiar with, uh, it helps uh, bridge that gap. So you started as you know, getting, you're the pediatric nurse manager. You found out after you accepted the job that you had the IV team. And you know, fast forward a few years later, you now oversee all IV therapy operations in a four-hospital system. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> oh, and we should also add that them over the last 10 years, I've been asked to speak at various events uh, uh, and conferences related to vascular access. So two years ago, I did get my certification because I thought I needed a little credibility <laughs> as a specialist. The Vascular Access Board certification. Yes. Right, from, from back. It's, this is the kind of story that you know, I like to scream from the mountaintop about. This is what you know, people, what's the face of Ava? It's people like you. Vascular Access found you. It had a significant impact on your career. It's having an impact on patients in your community. And you know, Kellyanne's positioning, we, we, need, we need more of you. I think that there's a lot of you out there that just don't know it yet. And I think, too, is that um, I, it, if anybody needs me to speak to their manager about the importance of them really educating themselves related to vascular access, I'll be more than happy to do that. Because um, I had a, a colleague of mine, she was actually um, the dean of Villanova. She was actually the longest acting dean, and she um, passed away last year. But um, And so I was very close with her and intimately involved with her during her journey of illness. And she got to a point where there really wasn't many options to provide her vascular access because she was a cancer survivor twice and mm -hmm. just the various therapies. And I just think that what we need to focus on and try to help support our healthcare colleagues is that... We need to look at the long-term effects of the treatments that we provide our patients and how this is going to impact their vasculature. Um, Roy George, who had spoke um, at Ava, mm -hmm. that young man, I actually became very friendly with him. He now uh, corresponds with my, my oldest daughter because of their love of jazz. Um, <laughs> But I say to him all the time, like, he's my hero. Like, because as a peds nurse, you know, we, we did all these things because we were trying to help save these kids. And you never know what happens to them or do they live into adulthood. But, like, he's just a prime example of he is an amazing, beautiful human being that is just doing amazing work in music industry um, but, you know, at, at a cost, right? So yeah. he's, he survived, but he really has limited vasculature now. And, you know, I pray for him every day because I would never want something to happen to him and him be in a situation that, oh, we have a therapy for you, but sorry, you don't have any veins left. Right. And the same thing that happened to uh, Dean Fitzpatrick is that, you know, with her cardiac and from having uh, chemotherapy, like all of her vasculature in her upper body was totally stenosed. Um, and so I think that that's really where our focus and the, the whole mission of vessel preservation, um, and I know that that's gonna be our work. Um, and, and I really feel that uh, my job and I tell the staff now is like I, I need to provide you a toolkit mm -hmm. like where you have soup to nuts so I expect before my, my time is done that they will be putting in IOs and advanced central lines and that um, our dream is is that the physician will one day say I'm consulting the vascular access team and you choose <laughs> what is the best yeah device for the patient because really unfortunately they don't really have that understanding right. they just know the therapy they want to provide they don't understand that you know the delivery and that you know we have these patients that have had multiple pick lines and now depletion is a very yeah, real thing 
It really is, and it's a really scary thing. And I remember the first time I heard that at an AVA conference, there was a woman who presented from Canada where she was talking about these dialysis patients and how you have somebody that's on dialysis and that we have a treatment for you, but guess what? You don't have any veins left. Like, that really was impactful for me. Yeah, you get like, to watch yourself uh, expire yeah. because uh, you've run out of veins. Yeah. Um, and I know I, I, I'm just starting the message at our organization, and I've spoken to um, large system groups of physicians to say, you're doing a great job in survivorship. You really are. But we, what we really need to talk about is what are the consequences of the treatments that you provide your patients long term? Because after you say, yay, you know, you're cancer free. I still now have 40 years of my life that I could, you know, have another illness that mm-hmm. would require a vascular access device. Yeah. As a cancer survivor yourself. Yes. Really, <laughs> it really has hit home. <laughs> so you, you've really helped demonstrate uh, the, the journey to find vascular access, to vascular access finding you, the passion uh, and the urgency behind what we do. If, if, you know, if I'm a new nurse or, or a resident doctor or a patient advocate, or a stakeholder in healthcare, what would you say, you know, Kellyanne, to, to someone about the importance of having vascular access be a, a foundational part of your experience and of your awareness in healthcare? I think that it's actually vital for them to, to get a baseline education and knowledge. And if they don't have that knowledge, because, you know, one of the epidemics in our society today is nursing schools, medical schools, they're not teaching this anymore. And then they think that you're going to learn this on the job. And there's so many organizations that, you know, as a quick fix for the organization to save money, they've gotten rid of their vascular access teams. But, you know, if I could call out to my friends, Claire, I think that in in Avatar Group, I think the next study should be really looking at those organizations that have vascular access teams, that have, you know, kept strong teams, and what are their patient outcomes compared to those that don't have them. Um, Because uh, I see it every day that they just don't have the skill set or the education or the knowledge of, oh, well, she said it hurt, and then you look at it, and you're like, okay, that's a phlebitis. But that, you know, things that are so basic to us, um, for other people, they really just haven't gotten a good foundation. And, and how are we going to create that uh, partnership where they might not be the ones being the inserters mm-hmm. but you know they definitely have to have a strong knowledge base for the care and maintenance because as the team says to me every day I can't look at every peripheral IV every day there's too many of them and so we really need to help strengthen that education at, for that frontline staff um, I think you know the conversation I'm having with our physician group that whole C1 teach one or do one teach one yeah. uh, to me that is that's the standard of teaching right now that is the standard of teaching and that is one a huge liability for patients I, I we had a patient that you know we don't provide 24 hour um, vascular access service so we have patients that come in when we're not here and they're left to be poked and prodded by residents and I'm you know I'm not trying to beat up on our physician colleagues but you know they haven't been given a thorough education on how to properly do this so they've stuck this patient like three or four times and probably didn't use the best technique right and then the next day I'm coming in and oh let's take take out that line because it's a femoral line and it's Uh, It's not good for the patient, but now we're providing another invasive procedure for them. You know, we just, I really think that we need 
to look at that and come up with a better strategy. And my goal at our organization is I've already just had a little initial conversation with our our system medical vice president for surgery to say, I want us to partner with the residents. Like, I think you can take vascular access nurses and the residents and the PAs and the physicians and let's partner together so that we have a consistent best practice for insertion that we put those lines in the proper way so that as Jack would say (laughs) then the end users the frontline staff can actually care for them properly and they can manage the care properly because we put them in in the in a, a better fashion, and then we can get better outcomes. Yeah. So, it uh, it's a departure from what's now the standard of care. You weren't beating up on your physician group. That that's a story you could tell at just about any hospital. Yeah. Um, Kellyanne, thanks for your time. If anyone listening would like to connect with Kellyanne, as she offered, uh, you can just email podcast at avainfo.org and we can broker that connection. Kellyanne, thanks for your time. No, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today. Up next, we have Ramsey's conversation with Jeff Hanks and Matt Gibson, the two men behind the genesis of MyVan, the Michigan Vascular Access Network, about how they have grown that network into what it is today. I'm joined today by Jeff Hanks and Matt Gibson, the co-founders of MyVan, that is the Michigan Vascular Access Network. Uh, we are actually at the annual MyVan conference today in Plymouth, Michigan. It is an all-day symposium. It's basically Lollapalooza, who's who in, in vascular access. This network did not exist two years ago, um, and, and we're here today to learn from these two guys on what the best practices are for running a vascular access network since uh, AVA works best at the local level where you live and work, but also how they're able to create this community and pull folks into AVA at a national and a virtual level. Uh, Jeff and Matt, thanks for the time today, and wow, look at the success you have. To, we just left a packed exhibit hall uh, we, that, that was part of a break with vendors that came after a packed symposium hall. Um, tell us about where this came from and, and how you got it to the point where it's just rolling right now. So this was uh, this was originally uh, Matt and I were working together uh, in a hospital and uh, discovered that we had like passion uh, about vascular access and education and patient advocacy mm-hmm. and uh, he started going through hey, have you read this study have you read this study and we both had kind of read the same stuff so you know we hit it off from a passion standpoint and uh, we really wanted to get a group of people together locally and really push uh, you know Ava's agenda out to the local group because we knew we worked with a lot of people mm-hmm. that wanted to meet locally but they really didn't even know who Ava was. Right. Um, there are 60 people where I work and maybe five of them had ever heard of Ava. The rest of them were all, um, you know, I've heard of INS and things like that but they hadn't heard of a, a specialty for their own for their own group. So sure. um, we decided to put this together kind of because we're cowboys and we didn't want any rules. So <laughs> we, we decided to put together a journal club because what we wanted to do is bring people together uh, in a casual setting and have a dialogue with, um, you know, top level researchers and thought leaders uh, and, and expose people uh, to these minds at, at an intimate level. Uh, so we started doing that, and uh, we did that for about a year. It turned out to be wildly successful. People really enjoyed it. And about the same time, Ava uh, really started rolling forward with uh, more support for local networks. So we explored, you know, what can we do to, to get a hold of this more into Ava. And, you know, we contacted Cindy, and, and uh, she's been a huge support. You've been a huge support. And uh, you know we talk all the time. We love this thing. It's a it's a blast. We're astounded that we had you know 95 people show 95 people register and 95 people show up. It's uh, incredible. And, and all the vendors showed up. Not one single person didn't come. So from it's a couple amazing. guys yeah. passionate about vascular access to yeah. a journal club 
to now a, a thriving and, and, and burgeoning network. Let me ask you, Ava's getting better with the name recognition in, in facilities, uh, but you mentioned INS, and that's, that's an infusion nursing uh, pillar in, in, in that community. How do you go about recruiting people to become part of AVA? What is your pitch to them? I mean, we are a multidisciplinary organization. Our tagline is protect the patient, educate the clinician, save the line. There's a cannula involved. Who, who are you uh, seeking out, and how do you help them understand that they have a home at MyVan and at AVA for, for what they do? Vascular access gets in your veins. Oh, that's a literal comment. It is a literal <laughs> comment, and it, it, it flows. And the, out of that- It's cheesy, but it, you know, it was literal. It's true. It's so true, and, it, and that's, that's how it is for me. It's something inside of me that I can't contain. It's a passion. It, it, it is, it's something that just bubbles out. And this has been my outlet uh, for me to be able to bring in other people. And whenever you're excited about something, and then other people get excited about it. And so just from me and Jeff just sitting at the break room and talking about this particular article and this research and whatnot, and then we, we just fed off of each other. And, and, and uh, you know, for, for us, I, I've been an INS member. I've been an AVA member for a long time, both of them, mm -hmm. and, and they're both important to me. Uh, you can't have infusion without, without vascular access, and you can't have vascular access without infusion. Right. They don't exist. There's no, you know, and so just it, focusing that passion and, 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 and whether you're an, an APIC or INS or AVA, everyone's welcome. SIR. Here. SIR. Patient, pharmacists. Yes. I mean, multidisciplinary <clears throat> is multidisciplinary. That's right. Everybody is welcome and everybody can take something of value from the things that we're offering and the people who are speaking. Uh, and, and for me, facilitating that is like, that's why I'm a nurse, you know, to watch people grow and heal. And that's part of the, the healing process or the growing process. And, you know, is, is watching this come from such a, a small thing to very successful. And, you know, I and Jeff, I think would say this too, we get so much from watching this happen and, and actually watching. I mean, and, you know, you were there. We raised half of the people in that room. We're new. We're new. Half of the people. And, and, the, and we have found that transition, just getting people to hear and talking to them about very important things, things that they may be passionate about, and finding that there's even more than just our local little network here. Yeah. That's what's important. You know, that is really what drives us. You've got, um, you've got an interventional radiologist speaking today. You had a pediatric intensivist this morning. Anesthesia. 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 Uh, anesthesia. The, the, the disciplines are represented. You've got the Great Lakes chapter of INS here yes. actively yeah. advancing its interests because Infusion has a home at AVA, and yes. you have accommodated that at a local level. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because this is actually CR&I credits being given in conjunction with the CEs that we are giving from AVA. Right. I mean, you know, someone, I'm going to get walk out of here with 13 CEUs, you know, CRNR credits and CEUs combined. Mm -hmm. That's a huge value, you know. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. And you hit it on the head. You know, not only is it multidisciplinary, but what we want to do is provide maximum value for people's time and money. You have a lot of things to do. We want to make sure that you get the most out of this. And we want to bridge that gap, you know, with, with our brothers and sisters from, from those other groups that have done a good job mm -hmm. uh, with promoting vascular access. But what you said about who we have here today in terms of disciplines is exactly how we make this happen. We thoughtfully sit down and say, what have we done this year? Have we pulled in enough IR people? Have we pulled in enough infection control people? Who are the big names in these subcategories that will really round us out from a multidisciplinary um, perspective and then, and then get them here or get them to a local event? And I think that that's been really key for people that came, had not been introduced to a group like this, discovered that they could sit next to an interventional radiologist and ask questions that they could never feel comfortable or didn't have time to ask their uh, physician at work or talk to a national, you know, published uh, infection practice person like Shelley DeVries. Um, it, it's, it's just a phenomenal 
value for them and experience and that's how that's how we make it tick we're always it's not about you know let's get together and have some food and um, have a lecture no the, it is about that it is about networking first and foremost but it's about the content you know it's got to be relevant scientifically based and um, the quality and yeah. the quality here is exactly one of the one of the questions that we asked ourselves about this was what is current and yeah. what is is important uh, and what is controversial what are things out there that that people it's it's unclear uh, as to what the practice should be because we got to start talking about those things that are gray and not just black and white and 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 that's you know another avenue that that we we wanted to bring things here that people want to hear about but also need to hear about hopefully will expand their thought process and you know and improve patient care i mean that's what what ava's tagline is it's yeah protect the patient it's the first thing in our tagline yeah let me ask you guys as, as the two cowboys uh, that, that are that are running my van what are you know, three things for network excellence network management that uh, that you think are just not optional uh, stuff that if if you removed them my van would would suffer and if you didn't have them you'd you'd be a network that needed uh, needed some upgrades this can be overwhelming and so to have the technological support and we do use a software to manage the 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 network and it makes our jobs very simple okay much more simple right uh, you know and and it's caught it does cost it does it is an expense but be, so for us not to get burned out and to to sustain your you know your leadership I think that's the one thing is is, is super important don't you yeah I think that uh, using the tools of the day uh, are, are huge and um, you know social media we what Matt and I have tried to do Matt's kind of like the big idea guy usually he throws out an idea and I go no way <laughs> way too big and then we land somewhere in the middle right. and, uh, and and it works out um, and you know he has the ideas and, and uh, uh, we figure out how to make them happen we've got a small group of people that we trust um, that's extremely important. We couldn't do this on our own. You build a leadership team to help drive team. these uh, yeah. events. Yeah. And yeah. it was surprising. And we didn't have, what we didn't do that's different is we didn't have an election. Uh, we looked around us and we said, who is around us that, number one, wants to help, and number two, has a skill set that we need that maybe we don't have? And and let's build a team that, that um, you know, we can rounds get out all the... Yeah. You know. We, rounds out all the all the things that we need, um, so that's what we we've didn't done. want it to we didn't want it to fizzle out. Yeah. You know, so right, and burnout is real in everyday life. It's not just uh, you know volunteer. And work. having the the technological support has minimized the amount of people that we do need to involve yeah. because you know things that we have done with a couple of clicks may have taken you know eight or ten people to do versus the two of us. You and, know. You have levels of compliance with regard to uh, the legal stuff as a, as part of the right. Inava network, the five hundred one C six stuff. Uh, you have access to Cindy Anderton, yes. who is Ava's director of uh, of affiliates. Can you talk a little bit about how you uh, strategically use Cindy and how she helps my van uh, exceed your expectations? Cindy is like the glue for us. She helps us, uh, you know, uh, stick everything together. Uh, there is. A, a business in this you know I mean we are our nurses we're not particularly just uh, you know excellent business people uh, and so Cindy brings in that piece to help guide us direct us uh, and, and mentor us make sure that we are achieving what we need to, to achieve from a structural operational side and really it, it gives me uh, a relief because we lean on her you know so we don't have to know you know, we need the passion, and we need the drive, and we need the perseverance uh, in the time. And the best practice, and the guard, guardrails, and the, guide, and that's the guidance. That's right. Yeah. All of those things, you know, that's what the, the clinicians and what we, uh, Jeff and I, uh, have in spades. The, the part that we did not is the operational, the business, you know, and that's what Cindy does for us. And she really helps us 
to to form this and make it smooth. And and there's a lot of rules that we don't know or we don't understand, and, and she keeps us on track, yeah. you know. So she can pull us back in and say, "Hey, this is what you need to do. You know, this is a great try. You know, what you did was fantastic, but we don't need to do that yeah. again. You're out of compliance." <laughs> yeah, and and pulls us back in and, and really guides us and, and supports the like no like no other. Yeah, the 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 affiliate program that that Cindy runs for Ava. We want to make sure that we put you in the best position to do what, what the MyVans of the world are now doing, yeah. which is to advance the enthusiasm of Ava's mission on the local level, protect more patients, get more clinicians engaged in vascular access, all of the disciplines, and ultimately transform healthcare where you live and work. Uh, one of the things that Ava's pr- uh, promising to do, is committed to doing in 2019, is to get our networks better networked so you can learn from each other. And that's really the catalyst behind this session with with these two guys, these cowboys here in Michigan. If you would like to connect uh, with Jeff and Matt, you can send an email to podcast at avainfo.org, and we will broker that uh, that meeting. Uh, Ava is committed to thriving networks, uh, prosperous networks that help uh, drive Ava's mission, Ava's membership, and ultimately protect patients. So Jeff and Matt, thanks for your time today, and we'll head back into the MyVan annual meeting. <laughs> awesome. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned for our Beyond the Manuscript segment featuring my conversation with Connie Giorgenti on her case study that's set to publish in the winter issue of the Journal of the Association for Vascular Access. And welcome back. Uh, this is Eric Sager on the Beyond the Manuscript segment of the I Save That podcast. I have the pleasure of being joined today by Connie Giorgenti a vascular access specialist at St. Joseph's Medical Center. How are you doing, Connie? I, I know you had to get a canceled flight this morning because Mother Nature is coming down with a, a vengeance with snow down in Chicago. Yes, it's brutal. It's pretty today. It won't be, you know, as soon as you have to start traveling in it, for sure. Right. Well, maybe not uh, Mother Nature, Old Man Winter is who I should have mentioned because <laughs> right. it's becoming his his season. So uh, we're we're here to chat a little bit about your case study that is about to be published in the winter issue of JAVA, which is due out a little bit uh, in about a week or two. And you did some work with your, your mid-thigh mid femoral pick placement, correct? Yes, yes. Excited to um, have that published and um, share the story about it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the, that case. You know, how did gaining access for a pick line via the mid thigh femoral vein sort of come into the equation with you and your team? Yeah, it was um, actually very interesting. I was given the privilege to spend you know a couple of days with Matt Ostroff in New Jersey, and he and I. Well, he placed the the mid-thigh fem picks, but it was an educational opportunity for me. Um, I thought it was, you know, a novel placement and didn't really think that I would need to consider that. But um, we got a call mm-hmm. for a um, very critically ill patient in the ICU. He was a young guy. He had end-stage renal disease, HIV, um, rectal cancer, status post port removal due to MRSA bacteremia. So just a very, very sick patient. And um, mm-hmm. our, you know, kind of a quick visual assessment, you know, we he had a AV fistula in one arm, um, his left arm, and then his right arm was, you know, just bruised. It was, t- it was pretty sad. Um, you know, from all the peripheral attempts. And then, you know, we thought, well, all right, you know, we'll do our assessment with ultrasound and our rapid assessment of his neck and chest, you know, kind of revealed the same thing that we had thought would be going on as a vascular access specialist in that he had some stenosis at the confluence of his um, internal jugular and brachiocephalic, subclavian and brachiocephalic veins. So, we knew we were like, this is going to be tough. Um, and we, we thought, you know, we're a team that places central lines too. So in the IJ axillary subclavian vein and femoral vein. So we thought well, this will be uh, the traditional CVC placement. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it does come with the risks of infection and the inability to maintain the dressing and, and those sites of things. And then I thought, I said, you know, to my colleague, I think we need to consider mid thigh, <laughs> you know? So it wasn't right. like, yeah. you know, we, we went into this, you know, all right, we're going to go do these mid thigh fem picks. You know, right. we know they're novel. Right. We know that a, a lot of people are not doing them. So it didn't, it really was by chance that I had the opportunity to be with Matt Ostroff and then was presented with this patient because if it would have been reversed, I think we would have put in a traditional CBC in the groin. Yeah, I, I believe Matt had something earlier this year published on the, on the mid-thigh fem work as well. Um, he had a couple other cases and he did some, some things at Ava with that uh, in September. So that's, mm-hmm. it seems like it was a, just a perfectly timed situation uh, for you. And I know you mentioned it, you wrote in the, in your manuscript that the the patient had some scarring from a port as well. So it sounds like Mm -hmm. you sort of needed to, to find another Avenue to to gain access. So uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Not only did he have port removal, but he had multiple temporary dialysis scars. I mean, you could just tell, you know, from his upper chest that, we were not going to be successful in upper access. So would that, as far as trying to figure out where you would gain access, would you call that sort of the largest hurdle you and your team faced during this whole or process? Yeah, I think, well, in our own fear too, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we had never done it. I had seen a few done. Um, but as nurses that place central lines, you know, we knew that we were going to treat this vein on the thigh, like we would any other access site, you know, the same precautions and prepping would be the same. Um, you know, my hands were shaking. Um, I had my, my teammate, Sherry Pironi there, um, who, you know, was excited to, you know, get, be, have the option. Like we, she hadn't thought about this, this type of um, access before. And, you know, typically I think in this, in these cases, you know, vascular access nurses will kind of walk away and say, Oh, not a pick candidate, you know? So um, we, we were excited, but I, I was, I think reasonably nervous. My hands were a little shaky. <laughs> yeah, completely um, understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it, so, uh, how did you and your team sort of ensure continued safety once you actually were able to place the pick. I know, I think it dwelled in there for a little over two weeks, correct? Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. three weeks. Great. Yep. Um, what we did was, um, I, well, when we, after we placed it, of course, you know, there's always those learning opportunities. So we gathered, um, as many nurses, physicians immediately, um, to explain what we did this is what it looks like. Of course, everyone loved the fact that it was out of the groin. The site was optimized and easy to care for. But we also took, you know, ownership of this line and we round on it every day. We had, you know, everyone knows how to reach us by pager and cell phone. Um, but but we followed it every day and, and had learning opportunities with anybody who'd listen to us. <laughs> The patient's mother was at the bedside all the time too. So we of course educated her and told her if, you know, someone didn't, you know, this was just a pick in a different spit, you know, spot. So the care and maintenance was the same, but we let her know if for some reason she felt unsure about someone that, that she could page us or asked us to be paged. So, you know, we're not a 24 seven team yet. Um, so we did the best we could. I'm sure that, she appreciated any information you all are able to to provide for her. And, and I think from what I've read and, and just being attending the annual scientific meeting a few months ago, I, I think this mid thigh stuff is kind of a new, it's kind of a big wave right now in vascular access. Is that correct to say? It's definitely on the, this is early adapters, you know, the bell curve, right? The very early adapters. I think sure. we still, we do get a little bit of criticize, criticism um, still, um, which is unfortunate. Um, and I, I think the one point that I did want to make was that, um, you know, this, there were, this was multidisciplinary co- collaboration. There were five people making the decision 
for placing this particular mid-thigh fempic. Um, I had called Matt Ostroff on the phone. Sherry called interventional radiology and spoke to Noah, one of our um, docs in IR. And then we had the intensivist. So it, there were five of us collaborating on this device. So it is, I would still say it's definitely, um, it's emerging access site. You know, as a pediatric nurse, Eric, this is, this was never new for me. Like the surgeons at um, children's where I worked, um, they never put in ephemeral line. They always access lower on the thigh. So I feel like, you know, this has been around for quite a long time, but I think as far as adults um, placing them, it is definitely um, emerging access site. And, you know, when I think about Jack Ladon, um, when I think of the site too, because, you know, how many times at AVA or at a local chat um, network meeting, do we hear, you know, optimizing exit sites, right? We're not right. just throwing the line in and walking away. We have to make sure that those after us can actually care for the line. So definitely. It, yeah, it's important. It is. It's extremely important. So as you, Prepare. Obviously, we're in the midst of of publishing your your case study. Mm-hmm. For those people that that read it, you know what 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 do you want them to take away from your experience? And mm. you know, obviously, you wrote about it. It was great. And is it sort of a hoping other vascular access specialists sort of have an open mind and consider this as an option for access, yeah. or is there something else? Yeah. No. I. You know. Absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost, you know. Sherry and I, um, we both published this and, you know, in no way are we suggesting that everyone should, you know, just go out and start placing mid-thigh femme picks. You know, I think collaboration, advocating, you know, with your, for your patient, with your physicians, you know, to ensure you place the right device, you know, um, learn about it. But I really do think it's important for our specialty you know, to survive in the healthcare climate that we're faced with, um, that, that we do expand and we don't just walk away and say this patient is not a pick candidate, but that, you know, it's through, you know, relationships and mentoring and multidisciplinary mm-hmm. collaboration that we can expand to this site um, and ensure that our patients are getting the right device. I think what helped us is that we were already placing central lines. Um, Our physicians at our hospital value our specialty. They trust our judgment. So I think with those things in place, you know, we were able to to move to the mid-thigh placement as well as central lines. But, you know, I think that I would encourage all nurses to consider this. And when I first saw it, I didn't think it was going to be something that I was going to do the following week, um, you know, <laughs> but I think we should be having these conversations. And I hope, you know, Matt's publication, as well as this case study, you know, clinicians can take this to their IR doctors, their ICU physicians, and say, you know, this is a viable option um, to reduce bloodstream infections, to increase the ease of care and maintenance. You know, just as we continue to grow our specialty, um, I just think I, I would hope that everyone reads it and just knows that it's something they should be thinking about. Maybe they can't do it today, but, um, you know, start taking those steps towards doing this for the right patient, for the right reasons, for sure. Definitely. And it, they should act the way you did, too, as far as calling Matt and asking him since he has experience in it, then they'll know that you have experience in it as well. And if they have any questions about a potential candidate for pick placement in the mid thigh, they could, you know, give you a call and that it seems like another way that clinicians such as yourself can continue to put forth best effort to, to benefit patients. That's, that's really great. Well, Connie, I really appreciate you taking the, the time this morning to, to chat with me a little bit about your case study on the, the mid thigh femoral uh, pick placement. And for those of you listening to this podcast, you can check out, Connie's uh, published article in a few weeks in the Journal of the Association for Vascular Access, both in your inbox, uh, in your mailbox, excuse me, if you receive the printed copy, as well as online uh, via email and on the AVA Journal website. So, Connie, thanks so much uh, for your time this morning and and stay warm up there with with all the snow happening in Chicago. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. It's been a, um, a privilege. Hi, everyone. Though 2018 is coming to a close, there are still a handful of AVA Network events next week that you won't want to miss if you are in the area. First, Carolina Draper joins the Centex Van Holiday Party in San Antonio on Tuesday, December 11th, to examine evidence on extended dual PIVs, a new tool in the Vascular Access Toolbox. Then, Covan, Norvan, and Flavan round out the year for AVA Networks on Thursday, December the 13th. Covan welcomes Russ Nassoff in Denver for a presentation on using audits and evidence to implement change in PIV products, practices, policy, and people. Make sure to bring your white elephant gift and register by Monday the 10th to attend Norvan's educational meeting in Sacramento with Reed Nishikawa, who will discuss ethanol lock therapy and CLABSI. And finally, Flavan bridges the gap between infusion and devices with Jill Nolte in Orlando. Jill's presentation is scheduled to follow a recap from the 2018 AVA Scientific Meeting from Amber McFerrin, this year's Flavian Scholarship winner. You can see the entire AVA Network calendar on the AVA website at www.avainfo.org, which is also where you can join AVA or donate to the AVA Foundation. AVA is all over social media. You can follow the Association for Vascular Access on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Make sure you're subscribed to the I Save That podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We'd like to again thank our episode sponsor, plus our distinguished guests, Kelly Ann Zizichny, Matt Gibson, Jeff Hanks, and Connie Trigenti. If you'd like to hear our full interview with Kelly Ann, please visit avainfo.org slash podcast. Thanks to Dabney Coleman. Thanks for listening, and we want to wish everyone a safe and blessed holiday season. The information discussed on the I Save That podcast is solely for informational purposes. You should personally seek the guidance of clinicians before making any decisions that affect your health or the health of your patients. Listeners of this podcast are advised to do their own due diligence when it comes to making vascular access decisions. Our goal is to inform and entertain the healthcare landscape while giving you a starting point for your discussions with your own clinicians and professional advisors. By listening to this podcast, you agree that the hosts, our guests, our sponsors, and the Association for Vascular Access are not responsible for the success or failure of your health, your career, or any decision you make related to any of the information that we have presented. The I Save That podcast contains segments of copyrighted music that was not specifically authorized to be used but is protected by federal law and the fair use doctrine as cited in Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Act. If you have any specific concerns about this video or our position on fair use defense, please contact us at podcast at avainfo.org. No part of this broadcast shall be reproduced, transmitted, or sold in whole or in part or in any form without prior written consent of the Association for Vascular Access.